Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Keegs. I'm Jacob. We're back again, a uh, little bit of a break due to, you know, stuff. But I think we're coming back at the right time. It's, what, around nine now. Things are heating up. A lot of fucking controversy came out of this week. And I, I want to talk Ooh. about it. Like, honestly, I don't like to talk about tea when it comes to footy, but when it comes to this kind of stuff, I love it because it's how it directs the game. Yeah. Um, what is it? Hip drops? Sin bins? Yes. And player contracts? Oof, we're, we're turning into NRL 360 for this week. Yeah, but we're um, better than just NRL because... 360. Yeah, pretty low bar though. Yeah, I could go with a microphone and ask some primary school kids with their thoughts on the games where and we could probably <laughs> get up and not over those guys. Oh god. Um so well, I reckon we start off the first game of the round and that was Penrith versus Souths and to start off off with a bit of Souths news. Jack Whiten has signed with Souths on a four-year deal worth $1.1 million per year. Is that correct? Oh, I believe so. And that is um, not much money. Like, per year, that is... um, That's really not much compared to what he was offered from the Raiders. Um, Do you know how much he was offered? It'll be interesting to... Well, it was 1.1 million, I believe, by Raiders. 1.1, 1.2. And he's taken from an overall contract, I think it was like a million less. Holy um, fuck. Yeah, well, well, I think it's... I'm not sure about the overall deal of the um, South one, but I know that it's apparently like a million dollars less of the overall. So that's... um. That's a lot of on-the-books cash that Whiten's not picking up, mm. but also keeping in mind there's going to be more third-party uh, deals that you're able to get in um, Sydney. So... Well... I, I'm I'm looking at this as a Canberra fan. It's, it's gut-wrenching because, to be honest, I was hoping that in the next couple years, you know, we get back to a premiership favourite but at the moment if Jack is leaving us at the end of this year I highly doubt it will be I Mm. seeing it like that is just it's a bit fucked in my opinion Um, I can 100% agree why Whiten is leaving us so I think everyone knows that Canberra are not in any shape or form to win a premiership right now. Mm. Um, and good on Jack. He's given up representative football. He's he's won a World Cup. He's won Origin. He just hasn't won that grand final yet. And that's something he needs to do. He's one of the best 5'8s in the game. One of the best players. He is an elite player in my opinion. But does he go to a club 
that will be playing him at centre. When he's been a full, he's been a spine player all his career at a club level at at, at representative, yeah, he's been a centre. Bunnies are play are paying fucking overs for a centre. I don't think they are. I, th- I think they're playing. I don't think they're paying much for Whiten. But is he? I've, from what I saw, the contract was worth a million dollars. And I think it was a million, like overall, because the offer that he got from Canberra was around a million dollars. A million dollars a year. I would say something interesting I've just noted on looking at Jack Whiten's positions. He has played 14 games on the wing and 36 games at centre. Was that early years? I knew a bit... Yeah, I knew about the um, centre games because that was basically... Yeah, a lot of that came from 2013 to 14. Um, Yeah. But the wing games, that's really interesting. Yeah, all of those came in 2013. Uh, I think that's one of the funny things. We see a lot of players in other positions that get blooded early on as wing. Like Hayes Parham, who's a fullback and 5'8". Uh, his first games were at wing. James Tedesco, his first yeah. games, they were at wing. Uh, but you think of it now, like putting Tedesco on a wing, it's like, it's like it's, it's such a weird thing. Same as Whiten. I can never see Whiten playing wing, so it's so weird to think that he's played there before. But, yeah, um... I'm a fan of the signing from a South perspective. Obviously, Isaiah Tass, he did shine getting that uh, game-winning try on the weekend. But I do think when a player like Whiten comes up that you absolutely take them on the market, especially when you already have that established chemistry between him and Latrell Mitchell. Yeah. I I, I can get that. Um, and honestly, I, I'm, I, I'm... I'm gutted. Like, honestly, it, it's a bit... Yeah. Shit. We're having one of our best players leave us and as a club level, as what Ricky Stewart said to us um, in a press conference was, was like, holy shit, they basically just released a Ricky Stewart blow-up. Yeah. Stated, that was um the, the press release from the Raiders regarding one. It was... It was pretty much just Ricky um, being quite upset at it, which I like. It makes sense um, because you're Ricky. You are the player that has essentially helped turn Whiten into what he is. You've developed mm. a strong relationship with him. He's the face of your club. Um, all of that compounding also to his Clive Churchill medal performance, his Origin representative games all of this, a lot of it which has happened under Ricky. So yeah. I can definitely understand his pain about it. But at the same time, I think that... um, And this is what I spoke to you about before we started. It's really interesting to see the context that uh, Ricky's taking this in terms of wanting the salary cap investigated from Souths and all that. Um, specifically because one of the remarks he made a few weeks ago was not wanting to lose Jack the way he lost Anthony Milford. Um Losing Anthony Milford was it's why they got it was a pretty dodgy deal at the time. Um with 
Broncos having like the alleged missing few hundred thousand of cash uh, with G at the time, and that being related to Milford's deal. So yeah. it's it was a really shady signing, especially with like Broncos, TPAs, Big City, all of that stuff. Um, not that I know the truth of any of it, but knowing that that's just usually the rumors that people throw around. So you can imagine that uh, Ricky's not happy with that. And for him to lose one, uh, also, like, this one is like the Milford situation only in this single way, um, that he left for less money on paper. Because Raiders, they threw a lot of money at Anthony Milford uh, to try and get him to stay. But Milford took less on the book to go to Brisbane. And look um, at, like, obviously... I, I have a think of that contract that was offered to Tedesco a couple of years ago and then he backflipped and went to Sydney. Um, yeah. Ricky's had some hardship signing players and that could be the type of person he is. I don't know. Uh, it could be. But he is Canberra through and through. He's a one-club man uh, when it comes to playing. He's, he's not. He played for the Bulldogs. When? What? I didn't know that. He did. He played for the Bulldogs at the end of his career. What the fuck? How did I not know he about played- that? Most people don't, but it's something that people have mentioned a lot today in a lot of threads. Yeah, he played 40 games for the Bulldogs from 1999 and 2000. But he did play 203 games for the Raiders. Is that in the Super League era? Nope, it was after Super League, because 1998 was the first year of the NRL, because 1997 was Super League. What the fuck? Okay, there you go. I just got proven wrong like a dickhead. But this is what Ricky just said in press release earlier today I want to let our loyal members and fans know that I bleed green as much as you do and as much as it hurts today our future is still ahead of us and we will continue on the path we best see fit to give this club the success it deserves it this is not a normal club statement saying we wish Jack the best of the future thank you for your service yeah this is a I'm so fucking sorry message yeah, it's... Because I guarantee a lot of people will lose hope in Canberra. I don't blame them. Mm. And it's... this, it goes on to say, I know it would have been hard for you, our Raiders fans, because I know what the feeling was like for me to send an Im- to see an image of Jack in a South jersey digitally altered on the back of a Sydney paper today. That would have hit so many people in the heart in Canberra especially Ricky, yeah. because of that relationship he has with Jack. Hmm. I personally I won't rest in my drive to make this club successful for you. Rest assured the current season is still our number one focus and priority. We appreciate all of that, your support, and we can't wait to see you at the footy. Wow. He's He's definitely devastated. Um, oh yeah 100% and I don't blame him for that because I think Jack White and leaving is it's a bit more symbolic than star player leaving it's the fact that he left his club and specifically said it's because he wants to win a premiership indicates that he outright has like he doesn't think that he can do it at Canberra um, and yeah. that's I think that's the biggest indictment uh, that's obviously going to hurt a lot for Ricky but also I think I've heard one thing about uh, Raiders as a club changing a bit in terms of how it's managed and that kind of stuff over the past few years Mm -hmm. Um, 
that may or may not have contributed to it. I'm not 100% sure. But it's definitely... It's... I think it is something more symbolic um, to Raiders fans. So I definitely understand their pain because it's... It's one thing to have a star player leave. It's another thing to have a star player leave under these circumstances. 100%. Um, Footy-wise, I think it's going to be a big hit, but I think it'll be good for Raiders to just have a few seasons where they rebuild around their young talent. Brad um, Schneider. Yeah, Brad Schneider, that is something I want to get onto. He's He's got very good footy IQ in terms of making the right pass selections. Um, especially when he's put into space as the second receiver. Uh, you already captained the New South Wales Cup team last year, I believe. So he's... He's definitely an R already, in my opinion. Hopefully, mm. he is the one that they choose to go through with the job. Um, but yeah, it's it's a sad day for Raiders fans. That said, I think their win against the Broncos shows that um, Whiten, as much as he is currently the heart and soul of Canberra, there's more to it. But I think that mostly with um. With CNK and Hodgson leaving this year, and now with White leaving, I do think it is overall just a symbolic thing. This will be players from those. Next year will be our sixth year in a row where we haven't had a consistent starting spine in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think, and with uh, because Savage was named in the reserves today as well. Yeah. So, I oh bro, I'm 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 devastated. I, I when did it first come out? It came out. It came out. A the clubs of didn't even get to announce it. The clubs didn't get to because it was a scoop on. It yeah. was a scoop on Twitter, and then it turned into a, a, a Fox League halftime thing. Yeah. Which is I. Like, I get that it's footy media, but I, I just guess it kind of sucks for it to come out that way. Like, the clubs can't even announce it. And the fact that, I, I don't know if, if it, if Whiten was able to tell the, like, tell the players, I'm not going to be here next year. If that's the way they found out, they would have been like, what the fuck? Like, they would have yeah. been texting the WhatsApp group chat being like, Jack, is this true? Please respond. I yeah. mean, that's what I would be doing. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, and you mentioned the Broncos game a couple of weeks ago. That that shows the heart and soul of Canberra. Uh, yep. Return of Jack. Well, I was um. Yeah. Well, that that was a massive ball star. I thought he played amazing in that game too. Um, Hell yeah. Katoni Stags. Everyone was commenting, "Oh, Katoni Stags is gonna score a hat trick." Yo, yo. He didn't do anything. Um, didn't do anything. Croker had it done. Uh, and even with Walsh constantly attacking the short side there, um, he had a few opportunities, but there were just some last-ditch efforts from Croker to always make sure he was getting over the legs. He didn't miss a tackle. No, not on the stats book. I thought he, I thought he technically did when Walsh offloaded the try line, but I guess since it forced an error, that it's not really a missed tackle. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was. It's impressive. But yeah, I was hanging out after the game with one of my mates and we're getting photos with the players of everything. 
Uh, Canberra culture, I don't think it's going to be too bad. There are some players that really are the heart and soul of that club that mm. still do heaps of fans. Uh, you'll be able to keep Josh Papali'i around, I imagine. Hope On so. top of that, he absolutely loves the fans. Uh, some say that Josh Papali'i is actually still in the stands of Suncorp getting photos and signing things. <laughs> um, he was he was out there for ages. Um, then you've got guys like Corey Highway and Naira, who he was running around, he was yelling up the milk, doing the Raider clap, he was doing everything. Um, so yeah, I don't think... While this is a symbolic and sad day for a lot of um, Raiders fans, I don't think it's all due to gloom. No, I, I, I hope not. Um, but that's our opinion on it. I think it's time to go to the actual games, and let's talk about the South yeah, games. South and Penrith. Oof. A lot of people came out Penrith. of this game like thinking, "Wow, Penrith just Penrith got Penrith." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But clearly, his defense was immaculate. In some it really parts, is, in my opinion. Yeah, he always gives a hundred percent in his defense. Um, the jam he did on Walker was tremendous. He stopped that play in its tracks. I loved that. Oh, so good. I also like they lost I Isaac Targo. So Tyron Peachy will be playing left centre for a little bit. Um, That'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, I think that side will just a bit, get a little bit slower. Because... It might get slower. PG's a crafty player. It's, we've genuinely got no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Because Tyron Peachy currently is a very different player to Tyron Peachy when he was at the peak of his powers at the... Um, the... Panthers, but even then, I think his best role was as a link man in the middle, anyways. But it'll be interesting to see. He's like, in my mind, one of those players with like Jack Bird, where it was like, uh, and Dylan Walker as well, where the player they were initially and the player they are today are so vastly different. Oh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, Another funny note from that game, Stefan Crichton scored every single point for the Panthers. No shot. Wow. Yep. Oh, because, oh, Hatch. I saw this on the goal kicking. Twitter from SC Whisperer. Don't know how true it is. Panthers may be looking to rest some players. One including Nathan Clue with that little uh, niggle in the groin. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, they said it was just some muscle soreness for Cleary, which is why it wasn't goal-kicking. I wouldn't be surprised if they rest him. Um, I hope they do, because I have Jureen Buller in my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, look, I got Nico Hines and Nathan Cleary. I think I'm pretty set with my uh, little, you know, halves. I worry... Because we all know what happens with groin injuries because of um, Thurston. They you know, don't get the two points for each conversion. No. Well, in Supercoach, you get four. So, I'm missing out a couple. Oh, even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I wouldn't mind if they rest Cleary. I reckon they should rest him against the Cowboys too while we're at it. Um, so the, the less footy, the clit. What round is that? No idea, but they should make sure that they rest him for it. I don't think because you... I don't want to have to play against Nathan Cleary. Round sixteen on a Friday. Yep, so they should ab- they should absolutely rest him then. That's an origin week. Yep. Don't back up. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a bit shocking, like, how drastically a game can change. Like, at that, like, before half time, you had Spencer Lenu do a run and just utterly broke the defensive line of South on the edge. And then. That was that was a beastly run. That was a fucking amazing run. And then he got like Latrell and Isaiah Tars in the dying moments of that game, utterly just like fuck this, I'm off. That game I think showed how versatile Troll can be. He can have some hot and cold nights. That was his hot night. To mm. me, he's going to be. He, he has to be one of the centres for uh, New South Wales. And the other has he to be... Oh, he, he's got that spot locked down pat, I think. The yeah. second centre spot's got to be Campbell Graham. Turbo's not fit for mm. Origin at the moment. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah. That's a little conversation for the, up, for the game coming up. But the thing about these two sides that we like that played on Thursday night, they have the best ball runners in the game. If you think about it, Crichton, Toho, Cleary, Luai, Latrell, Walker, Damien Cook, Campbell Graham. Like that's some like if you put those guys. Up, like you, you saw what they can do up against each other. They utterly destroyed each other's edges, and it's going to be a shame yeah, was... to see Tass potentially miss out next season on a spot. Unless you play, yeah, no, right I wing. think. Yeah, well, that's that's going to be interesting to see because I think um, I don't think they're going to want to displace Graham. Not seeing as he's one of the best um, centers in the NRL, especially defensively. Hundred um, percent. I do wonder if Tass can play wing. He might have at one point or another. But either way, yeah, it'll be fascinating. Fascinating to see what happens with their back line. I thought it performed really well. Trail Mint, especially, he was insane. Uh, just outside of his two tries, his kicking game, his ball playing. I think I would declare him the best playmaking fullback in the comp. Um, would agree. He's, yeah, and I, there's so many criticisms that get made of him for things like laziness or whatever, but I think that a lot of that comes from a misunderstanding of his game plan. Um, not every fullback is going to play like Dylan Ed, right? Oh, yeah. Like, not everyone, not everyone is designed to be taking hit-ups on fourth tackle sprinting at every moment um some of them are better off when they lay back and choose when to inject themselves in the game quality uh, guys quantity. like yes exactly uh latrell is one of those players 
Uh, Matty Bowen, for a long time, I considered him one of those players. Preston Campbell. Um, there's there's lots of guys who were absolutely brilliant players, and they did it off the back of watching the game, watching what's happening, and choosing the best moments to inject themselves. Uh, I don't think that makes you a bad fullback. Obviously, it'd be really nice if Latrell had it in him to start sprinting on every kick return in addition to what he does. But sometimes preserving your energy for the right moment uh, and creating that magic is what works best for them. And considering Latrell's form at the back end of last year, where he was essentially just carrying the Rabbitohs to that preliminary final and putting in these insane performances, I feel like people have forgotten that. Um because he is absolutely, on his day, one of the best players in the NRL. So there's no question about... Like, I think that his play style unequivocally can win a team a premiership if the team is put around him. Oh, yeah. And they come close every year. At some yeah. point, they have to win one. Pretty much. Well, they've got a pretty decent opportunity next year, that's for sure. Um, Even this year, Penrith, maybe. I thought... Yeah, well, even this year. Um, Penrith, I think it's kind of hard-ish to read into, uh, just given that they, like, obviously not having Fisher-Harris, that's massive for them. Mm. Like, that's one of, that's point-blank period. Probably the, he's one of the top five props in the NRL. Uh, Payne Haas is out and out one, and it's not even close, but... He's pretty damn good, Fisher-Harris. And not having him, not having his quick play the balls, his defensive presence, um, it really does... It allowed Souths to be in the game in terms of the forward packs. And once they were even... Because um, they were really even, like the forward back. They were dead even. Oh, yeah. Um, outside of that, it was, it was a pretty even game. And you can see who it took to get them above and beyond. Sunia Taruva, I thought that he had an excellent game. Um, watching him a fair bit at fullback, I didn't think he'd shine so much at wing, but he has. Um, and I'm really impressed with that. I thought that um, Leota did a big job stepping up. I actually rate him heaps as a prop. I think that in the context of star middles in the NRL, that Moses Leota gets left out of it more than he should. Um, and it's nice seeing Scott Sorensen play on the edge. Uh, mm. Yeah, he's he just he's nice to watch. The uh, good old brother-in-law of Chad E.T. himself. <laughs> and, of course, Len Yu, uh, with oh. an absolutely fantastic 38-minute stint there. Um, if, if you like, were trying to find the perfect impact bench player, that would be it. He's going to be great if Chad Rahia Hargreaves doesn't resign with, uh, with Roosters. He can fill that JWH spot really well. Impact player off the bench, he's going to he's going to change the game. Kind of like how Nelson was on Tuesday night. Yep. Uh, issue is with that ill-disciplined, um, which, to be honest, I think you're describing JWH in a nutshell. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Um, they've definitely got some caliber starting props there. Like you could easily start um you could easily start Lindsay Collins and Matt Lodge and bring Lenny off the bench. Oh yeah. 
And I, I think, don't think there'd be any issues with that. And Collins is a, is the future of that forward pack. Absolutely, undoubtedly. And honestly, even Lodge seems to have found himself at home there. Um, by all reports, he's definitely seemed to clean him up heaps off field. He's really just focused on footy, apparently, and he's been doing all right at that. Um, Good man. Obviously, Roosters, who... Roosters will gladly get rid of someone if they think they're bad for culture. Um, like, we've seen this before with Jackson Hastings, where he was apparently a bit of a pest around the club. So, Roosters, they moved him on. Um, so, for them to keep a guy around shows that they clearly think they're doing all right. Mm. Um, I think it's about time we move on to the next game. Broncos yeah. versus Parramatta. Fuck, Power came back at the end of it, didn't they? Yeah. Um, they're seemingly kind of just taking their foot off the gas. Para kind of getting themselves together. But I think the story of this game, just as simple as it is, just comes down to their forward pack. Um, Junior Butler and Regan Campbell-Gillard. So one of my good Reddit mates, the Pokemon man, has released a stats project called Play the Ball Win Shares. Where okay. it analyzes what a middle forwards play the ball, um, like how they stack up to other ones. So, for example, if their play the ball win shares is like an average of negative one, it means that on average they have a play the ball speed one second faster than the opposition's forwards average. Mm-hmm. So, it's a really handy stat for figuring out which forwards are good at getting the quicker play the balls in games. Um, now, some of the worst forwards in that um, list were Junior Barlow and Regan Campbell-Gillard. That wouldn't surprise me. Yep. They're very big, kind of sluggish middles, and I think one of the problems with them is they don't really make too many tackles either. Um, Barlow, I think it's okay because he can ball play, he can offload. Regan Campbell-Gillard, well... And He's a good Don't get me wrong. Man. Yeah. But it's just in terms of what else. Because before his injury, which, by the way, I hope he recovers well, uh, it's not good that he's out for eight to ten weeks. He's one of those players where he is a joy to watch and you do want him on the field. Yeah. Um, he, but I, before I his he injury, he had... Yeah. But, so, 30-something minutes before the injury, how many tackles do you think a prop should have at that point? Roughly 10... No, more than 10, wow. Yeah, because it's about half of half of eighty minutes. To me. All right, so here's how many Regan Campbell Gillard had twelve. Yeah, right. right. But on top of that, he missed five of them. Ooh, that's and not good. Yeah. Now, would you pair that in with uh, the game one performance last year for New South Wales, where Queensland's forward pack got on top? And then with the grand final, it starts to paint a not particularly great image of the middle forward situation at the Eels. Um, they're always lauded as having a really strong forward pack, but I feel like when they come up against strong forward packs, they're not quite in that. Team. Yeah. Now, I... On top of that, I thought that Payne Haas got to just run amok this game. Uh 17 runs for 212 metres, 7 tackle busts, 
Um, he kind of just did whatever he want, wanted. Uh, he had 18 tackles and none missed, which is, considering his team had basically all the ball, it was it's a pretty impressive effort uh, from them. Well, how's this? Payne Haas so, had more run meters combo- um, combined than, R- than RCG and Barlow. Had more than those two. 212. Yep. Barlow had 135. RCG, 68. Yeah, he is, like, Haas is a generational forward. I think that he's the best middle forward we've seen in his prime since Jason Tamalolo. And even that is a very, very, very small list. But I think that when you have someone like, they've replaced Marnie with Hodgson, right? Now, Hodgson, his defense, it's just not really quite there at the moment. No. Um what they've managed to do well is they brought in Hopgood, who, despite still having a negative play the ball win shares because he keeps playing in a dominated forward pack, he looks m- much better than um, RCG and Balu do. He's going to get some big minutes, eh? With RCG gone, he's back to start yep. and lock. Sean Lane and Madison make up the edges for the second row. He's yeah. going to become very pivotal. Would expect big minutes out of the little fella. Yeah, no, he's he's a big fella. He's um, he looks little compared to uh, RCG and Barlow because of their heights. But I'm telling you, he is he's a unit. Oh, he's a, uh, he's solid. a unit. He's he's a unit that gets a good play of the ball too compared to his teammates. In the first round, both the RCG and uh, Barlow went nearly over four seconds, whereas uh, Hopgood had under three. Yeah, I think we were talking about so, that when it was happening, and we were a bit mesmerized yeah. at it. Yeah, it was like Hopgood is a special talent. Uh, them getting him from Penrith is absolutely massive, especially because Eels, they did lose Stefano Utubikamanu quite a while back, who mm. at the moment is playing really good footy for the Tigers. I think the Tigers' forward pack has actually been outstanding, and the stats do confirm it. Well, but that's something we'll get into later. Yeah, Hodgson not really having a defensive presence. RCG and Barlow not really making tackles. So what it means is that the most tackles for the Eels get made by Madison and Lane. And even when Madison is playing in, um, what is it? Even when he's playing second row, he still does this. Now, the problem with this is Dylan Brown had 28 tackles. Dylan Brown had more tackles than um, Barlow and RCG combined. Why the fuck is your half making more tackles than you if you're starting core forward? Yeah, um, Bolo especially. And that's that's one of my big problems with Eels forward packers. Because if you're not going to do much work in defense, like I'm used to seeing this because I grew up watching Jason Tamalolo, who did not particularly make an outstanding amount of tackles. Um, but if you're not going to do that, you have to be a really destructive runner of the ball. Fuck me, Will Penasini, a center, had more tackles than them. Yeah, that's because a lot of traffic does get ran at centers and five eights. But the fact yeah. that they were doing more of the work up the middle, especially, was a bit like uh, not great. Well, um, it's it's just a shame that we had a lot. Like whenever we mentioned the eels, we have a like we have positives, but then we just go straight into the negatives, and the negatives outweigh the positives. Yep. And especially this season. Yeah. 
Yeah, because they've they've definitely got the class in their forward pack. Oh, not the their backs. Um, their spine probably outside of Hodgson, who is, I think he's had some positive moments in attack, but in defense he's just been not what you need from middle forward. But begrudgingly, I'll admit that Moses is an elite halfback. Um, Dylan Brown is really good when he's put into some good positions too. Gutherson, I actually really rate Gutherson. He does some really silly things sometimes. And God, he's annoying to watch, same as Moses. <laughs> but in terms of actual output as a player, he's really good, especially with his defensive efforts. I'm telling you, so, one day I'm going to make a compilation of just Joe's blokes talking to the refs. Guarantee it'll be a fucking full length of a game at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we have the time to watch all that. Quite frankly, um, we'll get the I don't, I don't have a spare. Yeah, I, I don't have a spare ten hours to watch it. <laughs> but that's the problem. But yeah, I I just like eels. This game had a lot of controversies, and I want to move away from eels for the time being. Something that affected them were these hip drops. That happened. Payne Haas as a man. Personally, mm. I don't think Payne Haas's tackle was a hip drop. If you look at a conventional hip drop, I don't believe it is. Yes, rate was put onto him. However, at that time, he was at the back. He's putting the rate on the back, forcing RCG to spread like that and therefore cause that injury. A hip drop mm. to me is case in point as a man, or we go back to last year's trials against Dra- Eels vs. Dragons, where I believe it was Hayes Dunster who got that hip drop, and he did all three ligaments horrible. in his knees. That's a hip drop. That was horrible. Uh, Carrigan on Hastings is another one too. 100%, yeah. Uh, that was a pretty nasty hip drop. Uh, it's one of the things that we'll credit Hastings for is what he's done at least for the dialogue around injuries, um, particularly hip drops. I thought that the uh, Hopgood one was... I thought that was an okay call. That's one of those. But the current officiating on hip drops, I wouldn't want to be going for that tackle technique. Because you can see, he kind of does slide around under. But that's, I think, one of the weird things is the way that players are coached to tackle and a lot of the work that happens with uh, wrestling coaches and all that. It's... And also, just the impact of the game, the speed of the game has increased so much. And then you bring in a lot of the rule changes that have come across that have changed things like stamina. Um, You kind of have, like, this hodgepodge of different things to cause injuries, yeah? You could coach every single player in the NRL constantly how to tackle properly. But that's in a perfect scenario. Rugby league isn't a perfect scenario. It's an actual game where you have to be reactive and shit happens. Yes, the tackle can be dangerous, but that is only but it is malicious intent when it is forced when they force people with their rate bearing to bend their Knee, ankle, and hip. In some instances where they call it a hip drop, none of that occurs and it isn't an accident. Case in point, Jacob Preston a couple of weeks ago from the Doggies. 
They called that a hip drop. That was nowhere near a hip drop. And even so, the match review committee said, no, that's not a hip drop. We won't charge him. Not even for dangerous contact. He didn't even get a fine. Yeah, that one was... That was a bit... Yeah. I can 100% agree with Matty Johns and all the refs saying... And Peter Volandi saying, this is a dangerous tackle. It Yeah, it can be. But the thing you're defining as a hip drop is an accident at times. Payne Haas was an accident. He didn't go out there maliciously to do that. Ezra Mam had a fucking brain fart, and that, that was a hip drop. He should be penalised for that. Payne Haas, the only reason why, in my opinion, why he is getting a penalty or a suspension is because it caused an injury. To use him as a precedent to say, be, be weary. I stand with Gus Gould. I don't usually. Accidents That's happen. not a sentence you ever want to say. I stand with Gus Gould. <laughs> it's you, an accident. You don't you don't want someone clipping that out of context with some of the things he says. True, but in in the case of a hip drop tackle, I stand with Gus Gould. <laughs> you wanna you... say that one more time? Any of you fuckers edit this, you're going to get a clip around the year. <laughs> I know you NRL Premium Plus boys. We're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get one of those like Discord soundboards and it's just you saying, I stand with Gus Gould. Look, standing like, I, I will personally make a video of every supposed hip drop that has happened in the past couple, in the past two fortnights and I, like, until we get a definite, like, a solid definition of what a hip drop is, I'll stand by my opinion. And then, when we get yeah, that... it's pretty valid. And then when we get that definition, I will follow that definition. But painting ass was not a hip drop. You're about to reinvent refereeing, I think. I'm an influential man, alright? We're gonna have. We're gonna write down the rules and then use the rules to make decisions. Oh fuck! Look, I'll talk about the refereeing when we get to the storm game. All right, refereeing has been shocking this year. Utter dog shit. That try. Okay, I'll, I'll say it now. The last try storm storm scored on Tuesday night was not a try. Remus Smith touched that ball. That one was. That was pretty fascinating. But they, they slipped that referee 50 bucks pre-game. And they shied him a case of beer. Just saying. But um, let, let's move on. Before, you know. Um, let's talk, I, I think, uh, Doggies versus Sharkies now. Well, That's, that was a. F- this is a game that was kind of a blunder, and um, you, it makes you think how a team is so bipolar. One minute they're winning against the Storm, next minute they're back to sixteenth, and the lucky, yeah, like. 
I thought Marnie has been a great signing at times. He, he's been a bit lackluster at times. Def- like, But I think that's because he hasn't been given the proper tools and he hasn't been given a Mitchell Moses or, or Dylan Brown. Got to remember, the half pairings at Doggies is very different to Parramatta. Uh, we even see that Josh Reynolds will be playing six while Matt Burton playing seven. Yeah, because Burton being named at halfback last week, um, I thought I did think that that was a decision that was made just so they could replace Flanagan, um, because Burton played on the same side. He was still on the left. Uh, mm. I think it was also because they wanted Burton to try and take more accountability for organising the team. Yeah, I thought it was a really weird one because Burton for the past two weeks before the Sharks game in the first half, both of those games he only ran the ball once. Um, which from a five eight who Burton's like his big strength is running the ball. For him to only run away, it's really dire because it shows that he hasn't really learned from last year where there were points where he should be taking the line on. Yeah, um, but moving him to seven, I thought that. He's got it in him, but he just his general playmaking lacks a bit. Uh, he's not really the guy that can like. He doesn't really go through the hands to set up tries, right? No. Uh, he's not like you look at guys like um, Kiri, um, Luai. In particular, the guys who just have this really good line ball to set up their second rowers. He had kick-out next to him, but he wasn't really utilising that. He was getting kick-out some early ball at times, which is decent. But throwing that line ball to try and compress the defensive line is a tool that you really want to see. Because he's got some amazing weapons, right? Like, he's got Alamotti, he's got Fox, he's got kick-out. Um, like, that's that's a 5.8's dream roster, basically. Yeah. So, for him to have that dream roster and have three try assists in eight games... I am of the opinion Burton has underperformed. However, some of that does come down to the quality of the ball and the been getting from Flanagan. Um, I think it's a really weird way they've used him the attack. I think that Burton, the best guy he could be trying to play like right now is Jack White. Yeah. He's got a similar build. He's a large body. He ran the ball heaps. He's played in the outside backs as a running player. He's got an enormous boot. That's pretty much... I think he's in that archetype of Jack White. And that's um, the thing. But the way that you, you mentioned used very weirdly. You just mentioned that he has played as an outside back previously. He won centre of the yep. year in 2021. He played yep. at a representative level as a centre. He should know what... Mm-hmm. As a half, he should be knowing what type of ball he should be giving his edge players. Yeah, well, um... He's played Dan Gagai. before. Yeah. Something I want to say is uh, Matty John's podcast in Kronk, he had a chat at the Knights where Dane Gagai, he was having a chat to one of his teammates, I can't remember who it was, and he was trying to explain to them how it works, at what point the centre wants to get the ball. Uh, and th- I think those are massive conversations when you have those attacking weapons at the centre position. Um because with Alamotti, I think that they do have one. They've got... He's a wrecking ball. He can run the ball hard. He's fantastic. Um, and I think that Burton just doesn't quite have that timing with his outside men. Uh, Jerome Luai, for all his faults uh, and for all his criticisms, 
the one thing that he is absolutely outstanding at, in my opinion, is setting up his outside man and making the correct read on overlaps. Um, he's got all the tools, I mean, they're all sharpened. He can put in those short kicks, he can throw the short ball, he can throw the long ball, he can take on the line himself. Whenever, as long as you put Jerome Lua in a three on two situation, he'll get it sorted. Um, I don't think I have that same confidence with Burton just yet. It's not to say he won't develop it. He's still a fairly young player, but it's it's not the same. And I think that's why Kickout, it's going to take them time to nail that combination. But, and especially with Kickout being injured now, that does not help. But, yeah. I, I agree. And I, I go back, every time I think about centers and halves, I go back to that Matty Johns podcast from, oh, can't remember what year now. Um, he's with Cronky and he's talking about how Cronk developed his relationship with his centers because they discussed it thoroughly. Like, um, Matt, oh, I can't remember the name for the life of me. I got a playing card of him, but fizzy hair, played for Storm. Matt King. Matt King, yes. Oh, Nat, yeah, I thought the it was Matt King. The moment you said... Um, he wanted the ball late because of his powerful body, whereas GI wanted it early. And that's what goes into it, planning. You, There's a reason why you have edges play against each other at training. Because you develop those ideas with each other. And playing with Kickout, yep. previously, Burton should know that. Playing with Fox, yeah. Fox used his um, acceleration, his speed. But that's his only playmaking ability, as it seems, Burton, because he just kicks the ball early in the space, allowing Fox to get it. But that doesn't work every single time. You need to have a toolbox that is absent from Burton's yeah. game. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be absent forever. Um, it like they're still Burton's still a gun player, and he's definitely got some great abilities because he does some things with his boots, setting up players that a lot of players can only dream of doing. Um, but there's also some other things going through the hands, which I'm not really sure which he has. But I say but a lot, but um. They'll, I think it'll get figured out, but the Burton to seven move is something really fascinating in terms of how that's going to work out with him being the organizer. But I think that him playing on the field with Josh Reynolds probably should help a bit. Josh Reynolds wasn't really the chief organizer of that team. I believe it was Trent Hodkinson. Um, well, I have a lot of time for Trent Hodkinson. He kind of had a few years where he was just really outstanding and he beat the unbeatables at the Maroons and then he kind of faded away but he was a brilliant player when he was on um so it'll be fascinating to see what role reynolds plays in this team as well and burton's development is something i watch keenly because the moment that burton does decide to take the line on at the right time it's like it's fireworks but it just doesn't really happen often so we'll see how it goes i guess Hopefully he figures it out, uh, just for the sake of rugby league in general, because I do think that he has the potential to be a really good 5'8". Uh, that's fantastic to watch. 
I, I think he, he, he can be a talented player and um I, I I'm a uh believer that doggies can be a top eight side. That roster they have, that left edge they have could be could get them to the top eight. Although watching these current games, what worries me is their forward pack at times. Um I made the mistake. I, I was watching it with uh, my father, and um, Sutton came onto the field, and you know they had that yep. handling errors. And I go, I go to yep. my dad, fuck that that cunt doesn't need a headgear. He needs some fucking glasses to see where the ball is going. Oof. Yeah, but seriously, you're a core forward. You should be able to catch a ball, and that's the thing that they needed to get out of their game. Is Get those little handling errors out of the game. Hold the ball. Yeah. Your halves cannot do their job unless those core forwards hold the ball. Mm. And I might have said it in a very bad way, but it's the truth. Even if it, like... Like when we were coaching our core forwards and they had that issue, we gave them homework. And we said, by next training, I want you to at least make 12 to 20 catches or passes while we're doing our post mm. sessions. And then we gave them that little, like those little trips at home. Throw the, throw the ball up into a spiral and catch it to yourself. Go to a wall and just pass it to yourself. Get that hand-eye coordination. Because that's what wins games. Like the little simple things. It, yeah, just not making those errors. And it's those errors that can be fixed so easily. Hmm. Now, you, you have Tavita Pengai Jr. coming, uh, who's officially back. Uh, I didn't see much of him because I did go to the game in person for the Cowboys. Um, yeah. But he's a guy that's going to be able to get that ball movement throughout the middle, be able to get some offloads in, allow Burton or Reynolds or whoever it is to make some crafty plays. Um, they don't use Hayes as that guy who roams the field. He'll he'll be on that... He'll be in a, He's a structured uh, fullback. What he needs to do is work on his positioning and defense, but I think everyone knows that at this point. Uh, I thought he's been better than I expected defensively. Yeah. I can see that definitely. Uh, I would say his placement on the line needs mm. to improve. Like in terms of just plugging the short side at the right times? or Yeah, and being able to cover a tackle. But like that that's the thing. That skill is learned through experience. Yeah. And I think that's a criticism that I had of Tom Chester when he debuted for the Cowboys. Um, I absolutely loved him. He was, he was incredibly solid under the high ball. Like I've never seen a rookie half that solid under the high ball, but a few times in defense where you kind of just wanted him to track the ball, it felt like he wasn't really doing that. But at the same time, fullback, he hasn't been playing it for that long. He's a young guy and he's giving every bit of effort. 100%. And I think I apply the same sentiment to Hayes Perham. And that's the thing that that's why I think everyone was a bit shocked when Eels announced that, oh, we're going to go after someone else and Guffo at fullback. It's like, 
So you're going to redevelop an entire new player when you already have a player there that knows how to do it. Yeah, well, Reese Walsh, there was a good article about him from Queensland Rugby League where he was talking about how he's prioritised defence this season. Uh, he takes out a lot of time to study Gutherson and his cover defence. And he's credited that because I think Reese Walsh, his defensive positioning has increased immensely. Yep. Um, even when other teams are scoring tries, he's still there. He's still in the frame. I agree. So, yeah, and that's obviously he's credited with that with Gutherson. There's not many fullbacks that operate at that level. Oh, 100%. Uh, especially because it's... I think what Gutherson has in terms of effort is something that you can't particularly teach. You can you can teach a guy that they're always meant to cover the ball. That's like a one-second thing to say to someone. But whether they actually do it is another story. It's a skill that needs to be learned through experience. But you have to be smart yep. enough to do it. And I think Hayes is smart enough. He's learning as he goes. And uh, have faith. Of course, we're probably only going to see him play fullback for just this year. And then Stephen Crichton's going to come in. Um... I want to quickly touch on Sharkies, and then we'll quickly go over the other games and get to the big ones. Uh, Sharkies, Nakora, Nakora, underrated second row this year. Tremendous line running, offloading, running the ball in general. His, him and Nico have been a repping on that right edge. Um, could be a smoky for second rower of the year, if possible. Hines... Hines, I think, should play Origin. It, I, I don't... Like, it, it could be the 6 over Luai. It could be the 14. He just needs to play Origin. As much as it sucks, it's a new... He's playing for the Blues. He needs to play. And he deserved to be in that Australian test squad last year. As a Queenslander, I think they should bring back Mitchell Pearce. You also said last year they should put in bloody um, Brooksy. They should bring back Mitchell Pierce and put in Brooksy as a Queenslander. <laughs> I would. I think that New South Wales would perform much better with a halves pairing of Mitchell Pierce and Brooks. Can you sense the sarcasm, ladies and gentlemen? But no, uh, no. I genuinely want this to happen. <laughs> I think Brooks and Law would absolutely just tear it up. Yes. I think that that'd be the most influential players on the field for Queensland. I would agree. Even so, that uh, it makes New South Wales lose eight seasons in a row again. Sounds fantastic. I love it. Let's fucking do it. Get Freddie on the yep. phone. Um, no, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting origin series with selections. You know, the first big buy round is slowly approaching round 13 it's now round 8 mm. round 8 no round 8 round 9 because magic round is like next week I think yep yeah it's very soon um fuck I say I'm a lot too I think it's time that we uh let Jacob talk about the cows but Jacob rare I hope not um, we're currently an hour into the potty already. Use yeah, good point. To... We're probably going to have to 
Yeah. Uh, yep, I'm going to go pretty quick with this one. Uh, Cows vs. Knights. I thought the Cowboys stepped up a fair bit. Um, if we didn't butcher two of the tries that we had, uh, in particular, there was a drink water one where he dropped the Robson kick. Um, yeah, was Nanai. One, trying to remember what it was. Yeah, Nane, where he drops. If we don't worry about those, um, we have, what, high 20s to 30 points compared to the 16. They scored two tries during the sin bin. It could have been like 30 to 6 if we just cleaned up those things. So I'm a little annoyed Big Mac. the Cowboys. Yeah, everyone would have gotten their free Big Macs. It would have been it would have been world peace. Um, all I really want to say is that Chad was a little disappointing once again, overcalling a bit. Dearden, uh, kind of, it sucks that he hasn't really done as much this year just by nature of not really getting as much ball. A few weeks ago, there was a game where Drinkwater touched the ball 40 times. Uh, Chad touched the ball 70 times. And Dearden was in, like, the 20s, 30s. Um, wow. Which is really not good. Your 5 eighths should be touching the ball more than your fullback. Um, we've just got... We're using Dearden running, like, these whiten lines. And he does all right at it, but I think he's got way more to offer. Um, Petahiku was outstanding. He had... Like, this isn't, I think, a opinion that Cowboys fans have at the moment, but I actually thought that he was great. He was defending at the most random places... Petahiku's our right center. He was defending on the left side. He was defending in the middle. He was absolutely everywhere. He got um, involved. Yeah, I've got no idea why. Of our back line, Drinkwater made eight tackles. Felt made five. Holmes made four. Talongi made two. Petahiku made 18. Holy shit. So, these, <laughs> the entire back line has made, like, what, 19 tackles, and then Hiku has 18, and he only did that with one minute. So, honestly, that's, yeah, that's very different to his usual performances, and he's back looking a bit more solid like he did last year. Uh, Drinkwater was outstanding, uh, setting up tries, nearly scoring one. Absolutely love him. I think he's absolutely been worth his money. Same as Valentine Holmes. He was outstanding. Um, Kyle Felt, fantastic game. Two line breaks, ran for over 200 metres, did all his work, didn't make any errors. Talangi, despite that brain fade of a Sinbin, which was incredibly, incredibly stupid, he still did fantastic taking all the carries. Overall, great performance from our back five, uh, which is really good in the absence of um, Tamalolo. Granville made 38 tackles. I thought that was a machine of a performance from him. He's a cotter uh, from Wish. Nane, he really is. He's mini cotter. Uh, Nane, his kind of slump continues, kind of but he's also been getting terrible ball. He has. Year. Like, he's getting the ball at the worst possible moments. Um, and he's been trying to do whatever he can with that. I think he's been working hard, especially in the kick chase, but he just gets gassed. Kerwin Hess back in the middle. That's fantastic. Jordan McLean, love him. He's top-heavy. He always finds his front. And um, other than that, the fact that we did that, Ruben Cotter also played really good footy, I thought. 189 metres and 45 tackles off the bench. Uh, I actually like the strategy of bringing him off the bench. I yeah. also like when he starts. But I think that Granville does well enough defensively for it to work. Because the moment you put Cotter on, you don't have to use another sub to take him back off. So I like what Payton has sorted out there. People will know me as a bloke who fucking hates Drake Granville at times. But that was two years ago. 
I am loving Jake Granville this season. You know, yeah. I, I had the argument of that, uh, or someone saying Granville is the Cowboys' best hooker. At the time, he was no. He is now the ten, now the Cowboys' best bench forward. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at it. He he's been great. He's getting into everything. Like I can't fault the man at times. Um. He he's shifted my dynamic on he, he on he, my opinion has shifted on him. I I'm like what I'm seeing. It got to the point where when they named that very awkward bench of Chester Granville and the two core and the two forwards, I'm like, oh, can we just have Chester? Now I'm like, can we just have Granville? Can we get Riley Price oh. there? And then Chester can be like the 18th man. Yeah, I I have thoughts on that. I didn't think Price played too well in his debut. I've got zero problems with him playing Blackhawks. But think of it like this. This is what we need to do. We need to stop thinking of Jake Granville as a utility and start thinking of him as a prop. 100%. Because, and the Cowboys have already done this. Peyton has done this for like a year now. I can't remember the last time he was subbed on at Hooker. It was a very long time ago. It was probably like round two last. It was, it was against the Warriors last year, I think, which is a very, very long time ago. Since then, he's been a prop. He's played some second row, but he's mostly been a prop. Um, when you think of it like that, what we have is a utility and three bench players. Uh, there was the sub to get Chester on, but I think because of the Sinbin and some other stuff that they ran out of it, there was an explanation from Peyton. I can't yeah, as a guy it. who works as a guy who works in interchanges, I can tell you that it does make sense what he said. It does happen. Especially when you've only got the eight changes you can make. It's but yeah. You can still see that the Cowboys are holding out for some injured players. Leilua coming back, hopefully hopefully Lukey coming back soon. Uh Gamut Shibasaki is cleared to play but was not selected, which is fair enough. So, we'll be seeing, I think in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be seeing a different Cowboys side. They just need to start getting some wins, stringing some wins together. They versus a Canola Sharks team that are coming off some pretty good uh, wins, got good form. Mentioned earlier about the back five for Cows. Those boys will have to play as good, if not better, than the Sharks' back five. They're going to fucking pound the defensive line of Cowboys on the, tomorrow, tonight. Thursday night. Yep. Well, tomorrow night, they're, they're basically going to need to repeat what they did in the final. Um, they'll need a hell of a performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, obviously, Sharks are favourites going into this, but as long as the Cowboys can improve, I think that's good. Um, the fact that we've got Gojeski in there, I don't particularly rate him too much, but his presence allows for us to put Hess back in prop. Yes. And that's fantastic. Um, I love Mitch Dunn as well. Um, the what he offers with line speed off the bench to kind of keep teams pinned in their own areas. I thought that was the main thing Cowboys improved at over and everything. 
Uh, it really sucks that he didn't get any minutes in the last game. I really thought towards the wrestle, towards the ends, that he would have been really useful. Um, but the minutes that some guys played, like for Jay Granville to play 59 minutes at prop, um, that Nene injury looks scary. Uh, I'm happy that he's named, but I hope he's okay. Uh, looked like some nerve damage. Uh, yeah, yeah, that big minute. That didn't look good. Yeah, it was um, Granville playing 59 minutes. Pretty impressive. Uh, I actually do hope we see big Granville minutes again in the middle. Um, it sounds counterintuitive, but I like the work he does. Because, like, hmm. him defending in the middle is not that crazy. People talk about him at props in terms of attack, but think about it. Granville has been a middle defender for about a decade now, since he started playing hooker for Winner Manly in 2011. Which reminds me, as I need to remind everyone, every oh, podcast. Fuck's sake! Jake Granville played fullback for the Winner Manly Seagulls under Paul Green and won a premiership. And the next season, he did it again at hooker, which makes Jake Granville absolutely elite. How many players have won a Q Cup premiership in um one account? Uh, in one position and then lose and then win it again in a completely different one like it's it's from fucking yeah look to my knowledge which isn't very big at the moment as you, you saw earlier in the podcast I think Jake Granville was the only man to ever be named at fullback and prop Yeah, well, it's, um, and it's it's something that I love is that people are acting surprised as if Granville hasn't been playing prop for about a year now. Yeah. Well, he got named at starting prop, so. But yeah, well, it's. I'll just like to remind. It reminds me when Cotter, when Cotter was first named at prop. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, "Oh, but he's a hooker. He's too small to play prop and stuff like that." So yeah. Bloody Hawkers are tackling machines, man. They'll be right. Uh, on other exactly. news, though, I'd just like to say that this game is going to be played for the Paul Green medal. Uh, so look out for that. Uh, hopefully, Cowboys can get the win there. But for the time being, I think it's time to move on to this next game that we have very little to say about. The last time I said that about the Tigers, I went on a full-on rant. Um, with Tigers, Eagles. Yeah. Oh no no no! Sorry, my bad. Titans, Dolphins. All I've got to oh, say yeah. is they choked again. Shit attitude, letting soft tries from the Titans. Yeah. Oh, and Robert James somehow bombed the easiest try of someone's career. Um, I have a couple things to say, really. Jared Wallace really stepped up. Um, like, five offloads. That's immense from Wallace. Um, Ledmo Willie had a great game, but Isaiah Katoa really impressed me. It won't stop on the shout seat, but the stats sheet, but he was getting lots of ball to uh, Branko Lee in good positions. Uh, we can see that because Lee had 16 runs for 168 meters. Um, 
there was another one where Katoa set up a try um, where he there was nothing going on, but he kind of skips along the line. He, he sets up a decoy. He calls a guy over to run the decoy, and it was then he sets up a try, and he just... He had to come up with everything on the spot, right? And that is so impressive um, because I think that one of the most brilliant things of watching halves play is when they get stranded and they have to come up with something on the spot. You know, it was what Thurston and Morgan did in the last seconds of the grand final. It's something that we frequently see from the great playmakers of our game, from Johns to Thurston. And when you see a guy like Isaiah Katoa at his young age come out and just start creating random things when he gets stitched up in his own area, uh, it's an absolute joy to watch. And confirmation that Katoa, for me, is definitely worth the hype. I agree. And people say that there is a half shortage in the NRL. Sometimes, yeah. But then you have these books that just out, that come out and just amaze you. Um, There's also some really good halves in Q Cup and New South Wales Cup that don't have jobs. Um, Guy Hamilton, he's setting up tries for fun. Uh, a lot of them are weak defensively, which is their main issue. But, um, so, like, Jamie Soward, Jimmy Maloney. So were plenty of other great halves. Yeah. Um, so I want to say is that David Papita, he played all right. Um, and just on that, but Dolphins played, along with Jad Wallace, simple footy in the second half. And sometimes that's yeah, what you got to do to win games. Yeah, well, one of the things I said at halftime was I've seen Wayne Bennett coach in the 2006 preliminary Broncos versus Bulldogs where they had a massive comeback and it was a simple, small change in their game plan. Instead of shifting the ball wide like they were doing, they were using short passes to try and create the space. And it was very similar for what happened here. They just took the ball up the middle, completed their sets, worked hard as a forward pack. Mm. And that's one of the things I love about Wayne Bennett, his ability to simplify footy. Because I don't know if you were around for when Sam Burgess leaked a bunch of, like, the South Sydney coaching game plans. Um, I did not remember that. But it was, yeah, basically he leaked a lot of it from the Michael Maguire era. And it had, like, comprehensive notes about opposition players and everything. Um, you can be complex all you want, but footy in its heart can be a really simple game. Um, just running it up the middle to try and earn the right to shift and that's something that I think Wayne Bennett he's amazing at simplifying the message to his players uh, Wayne Bennett teams are never really renowned for having world famous complex attacking structures minus maybe say the um, South Sydney team that he was coaching there were some very complex plays being ran mm. uh, well, not really overly complex but they had lots of moving parts to them with like double, triple block runners, all kinds of weird shit with um, Because they would use Murray as the primary ball player. Then it would go through Reynolds to try to get some early ball to Walker, who would have Latrell out the bay. And it was, it was, there's a full video from Seawold about it. Yes, um, I remember watching that on repeat because I was yeah, so bored at school. It's, it, was, it was a great video, wasn't it? Yes. He's brilliant mind, Seawold. But um, yeah, Titans, really small bench, but they fixed it for this week and they named something different. They've done that way too many times, but at the same time, Wayne has done that way too many times. 
Yeah. So it was the Fold Coast against the Bennett comeback team. Um, it was kind of destined to happen. Well, oh, what I just had a look at that fucking team list for Titans. They ended up again, um, but then I just looked at Manly. They put fucking Ruben Garrick at centre, which is a bit interesting. I'm excited for that. I am too. Lawton, Bullymore, Kepi, Sipley. Oh, that's going to be a um, bench. Boys. Not fast boys, not very quick boys, just big boys. Big boys. See how Turbo goes with his like little groin and back spasms. Yeah. Um, he has to pass the fitness test to be able to play. Yes. So does that that probably leaves Garrick to full back and then old good old um Fanau Fanau to come in. Uh yep. We'll move on now, I believe, to Tigers V Manly, speaking of Manly. I thought Tigers deserved to win this game. And um what I've noticed from watching it Appy plays hooker and halfback. Not halfback for yes. kicking, but playmaking. Yeah, he kind of plays hooker and then he sweeps around out the back. Mm. Um, it's fascinating to watch. I think he does alright at it. Um, but it's a bit of a concern because here's the thing. So your halfback, he, he stepped up a bit more with the kicking. Um, but... He's not your primary kicker. He's not your primary organizer. He's not your primary playmaker. Um, nothing against Luke Brooks as a person. Once again, he seems to be a fantastic guy. Um, he's never been a culture problem. He gives his best every week. But more in terms of the Tigers team planning. Because right now, they have a genuinely elite forward pack. Um, I've banged on before about how I thought Clemmer was a bit sluggish. He's completely reinvented his game. Um, he's finding his front way more. He's getting quicker play the balls. David Klimmer is this reinvigorated beast. Uh, Stefano Utuikamanu is absolutely fantastic. He's chasing down Turbo in open space. He's finding his front for play the balls. He's not really making the most tackles, but he's making good contact in defense. So Stefano, absolutely brilliant player. Absolutely love watching him. Now, on top of all of that, you've also got John Bateman, who I thought was playing absolutely brilliant footy. Um, I didn't expect him to be anywhere near as good as he's been, but he has been very good, especially in the... Like, he was he was playing halfback at one point a few weeks ago, and he was playmaking... Vice mm. Papali'i, he's been really good just focusing on his line running. But Bateman, his defensive presence is fantastic. Benua Pole, I, I can... Like, I've just listed off every Tigers forward because the truth is they're all doing an absolutely fantastic job this year. They are. And the, stat, the stats back it up. You know, every analysis of field position that's been done by all the um, Twitter NRL statisticians, it's confirming that the Tigers are one of the best teams in the NRL in terms of spending time in the attacking zone. So... It's really simple at this point. Their forward pack is doing absolutely everything, and it's all about the attacking structures and the spine. Uh, I thought that the young Jerry Mbula, who came in, I thought he had a pretty impressive debut. 
Uh, he had a few issues, but five tackle breaks, 24 runs. Uh, he definitely got his work done, and he he definitely deserves to get another shot. Uh, as you can see, against Penrith, has he been named? I hope he's been named. Uh, he definitely deserves it. There was one where, yep, he has. There was one where he kind of escaped out of the in goal from a grubber, and he broke a few tackles to get free. Brilliant play. Love watching him play. Hope he gets to play fullback the rest of the year. But other than that, uh, Manly, they they were really poor. D DCE was poor. Schuster was poor. They were just poor. Um, yeah, I would agree. They were, they were outclassed, but it took a bit of individual brilliance from Saab towards the end off the back of a kick to be able to clinch the win and fair play if you're a team you have to win ugly sometimes but it does suck for a Tigers team who basically everyone on the field earns the win despite the uh, kind of underperformance of their spine I I think having like Shuey he definitely he had put a lot of hard work over in the off season now you got John Z coming back in. I think John Z has served a very good role. I think that he's been a great pickup for Manly since leaving yeah. Storm. Uh, I also think that Jerbo moving the prop has been great. Uh, Oshay Ole, however, has some questionable things. Like he, he apparently he started a fight in the sheds with Rakem. Don't know how true it is. It could be just, you know, media outlets being media outlets. Uh, Tommy didn't have the greatest game. He didn't get involved as much. But that's also because he didn't finish the game because of injury. Uh, yeah. I thought that his... In the past few weeks, his defense has been really poor. And I think that injury could explain it. You know, yeah. We talk about positioning and importantly, because as a fullback, you generally want to follow the ball around a bit. Um it just outright was not happening with him like he would be caught up in the midfield for every try that happened on an edge and he was defending in the line so he wasn't really plugging the short side and it's weird because every analysis of defense and fullback play that Seabold has done typically indicates that he absolutely loves like the um 2015 Darius Boyd style of fullback defense where you plug the short side but then follow the ball after that um, help you run What's that? Kelpy run. That's what I, that's what I call it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's a cute name. But yeah, that's um, that's basically the way that um, they go about it, and that's what uh, Seabold indicates that he likes. I don't know if it's what the current plan is, but it's a bit curious, seeing that the position Turbo's in. I don't think he's fully healthy because I don't think Turbo is lazy. Um, no. He's certainly done enough to show that he's not. He's put in lots of effort in terms of recovering for injuries. Um, so, yeah. But it's just strange seeing that... Because his defense was really suspect under Trent Barrett. And then Seabold's come in and it's kind of regressed back to how it was then. Hmm. I... Seabod has been great at instances with his mastermind planning, his footy brain. 
still early on in the season, uh, mainly a second place. Yeah, that is that is weird to think about. Um, they it, have performed, but they also haven't. But they have. Like it, there's it, games where for a second place team you want them to put a cricket score on that they haven't. But there's other games where they've definitely performed well. What gets me, and this is why I don't like the buy system at times, on why I don't think you should get points for a buy. I was having a look at it. Dragons are two and five, but then like Cowboys are three and five. But Dragons are ahead. Cowboys. And Canberra. Yeah, it's it's really odd because that you get the points with like this neutral effect on for and against. It's weird. It works out by the end of the season. But it can make the latter earlier in the season really misleading. Hundred percent, yeah. Uh, I think that's all we got time. Like all we got time for that game. Let's move on to Anzac Day. Uh, Anzac Day was a bit of a good day for footy. Uh, I'll ask you straight off the bat. Was it Sinbin worthy for Victor Adley? I'll have to watch a few replays. Um, I think that just because it's Victor Radley, it was inevitably like he's going to get punished. He's got so many priors at this point. Um, Did you hear Tedesco? Yeah, yeah. He was like, if that's anybody but Radley, it's not a Sinbad, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, Tedesco, usually he really annoys me. He kind of constantly gets in the ref's ear and he's always yelling and yada 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 but yeah I thought that was particularly that was funny um other than that the I did think the shot was pretty poor and I'm okay with the send in for that yeah it's like cause you've it, the onus is on the defender to not shoulder charge a guy in the head and if you look at the stance that Radley's in, his shoulder is way too high. I agree, yeah. Like, that's... Like, why on earth was he going that high? Because it's he does it all the time, and he outright refuses to change his technique. So, like, it's, of course, you're going to get suited. How many that said, consecutive though, outside of games that, has he been simbinded now? Something stupid. But something, what I do want to say... You know, he has the scored, most simbins of any NRL player ever. Yeah, I think it was at nine or something. Yeah, nine. It's he beat Peter Slater. Bizarre. Yeah. But something I want to say is... um, I thought that outside of that stupid moment, that Radley actually had a fantastic game. You could see the moment he left the field. Like, obviously, you have 12 players, Nadar. Yeah. But they lost that linkage through the middle. Yeah. Well, you saw the try that he set up. Um, well, not the... Well, yeah, the try that... Because he sets up the line break for Butcher, who then gets it to Tedesco, who scores the try. Mm. And that was just a really silky bit of wall playing. His line running, too. That... Uh, Jared Maria Hargreaves short ball 
that that was the thing of beauty it was uh, the dragons they just they weren't tightening up their middle so jwh throws that beautiful short ball um what else do i say joey manu i thought he could have injected himself into the game a little bit better as a 5-8 but there were some points where he had really cool moments like one time he was wrapping around the rock outside to create the numbers but the ball went to tedesco anyways um I'd, I'd like to see them to find a way to kind of structure him more. Knowing um, Trent Robinson, I think Manu's going to get like six weeks thereabouts in the six jumper before they may decide to make a decision on it. Because uh, yeah. that's generally how much time that he likes to give his... Um, he gives his halves pairings that solid six games, generally. So that's why we see them named again to play against the Warriors. Um, on top of that, yeah, I was I was disappointed in the Dragons for a bit, then impressed. I thought Terrell Sloan had an absolutely massive second half. Uh, I've been loving him this season. Tauto Monga, good to see him get a hat trick. I actually loved him at the Cowboys. Um, I don't think Talatao Moan is their best uh, option at 5-8. Uh, yeah. Simply because they have Jaden Sullivan, who I rate way more. Um Sullivan, he's got a much better kicking game. He's got more deception to his game. Amon is a strong runner of the ball, but I think that there's been points where he could use his frame, but he doesn't really quite do it. So, yeah, I'm surprised that Hook persists with Amon instead of playing um, Sullivan. They're both incredibly young. Both of them could use the time in reserve grade to develop, but I think Sullivan is a more complete prospect, and I think he's going to be the one that gets the seven jersey when Ben Hunt retires. Um, other than that, love Josh Kerr. He has an incredibly fast play the ball, and he signed with the Dolphins. I think yes. Legler and Kerr are going to really speed up that Dolphins forward pack, and Katoa, if he still gets that seven jersey, is going to combine heaps with um, Franco Lee. Oh, not Franco Lee. Uh, Herbie Farnworth, if he plays on the right side, that is. Um, so, yeah. Really excited to see Dolphins next year. And other than that, there's not much that I have to add about Roosters and uh, Dragons. Well, I, I don't either. I think uh, Dragons stepped it up in the second half. Uh, Sloan had a great game. Sorato could potentially play State of Origin if Freddie decides to uh, let him after the Union switch. Really? There is one thing I want to say mm. on Sibali'i. Um, there was one play where it was on one of the Dragons tries where he kind of... He commits on the man he's going to jam into, and I thought it would have been a decent decision if he went in. But uh, his left wing, I think it was Toops, he doesn't follow him in. Um, and because he doesn't follow him in, Sibali'i second-guesses himself and then goes back to slide which I thought that was kind of a poor defensive combination from the both of them. Um, I thought Suli'i originally had his read, but once you make one, you know, you've got a hit and stick. You can't be chopping and changing and having, like, a second mind about what your defensive decision is, right? Like, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but if a centre makes a decision to jam, they shouldn't half jam and then retreat. <laughs> yeah. I... I because... It, center yeah, defending yes. is just ugh. it's so it's, it's a lot isn't yeah it? it's um because it's he jams on his man 
that's outside and I think, okay, if he follows him in, if he just keeps doing that and then Supo does it, it's fine. Because what actually happened was the ball went to the center who had the drawn pass. So if the winger follows, he gets to the center and it forces the half to throw the cut out. Um, so that's, yeah, really small thing that I want to know, but just a thing on Suwali'i's game and inexperience. And it sucks too because he has really good contact when he gets those shots on. Yeah, he, he's a great yeah. defender at times. He can put on a shot. It, it, there's just sometimes where he just falls off. Yeah, he just, I think, defensive confidence is what he needs. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, Storm and Warriors, other Anzac Day game. I've got a few things to say about this one, but I'll let you go first. Meany has been great at fullback for Storm with the pa- with Pappenhausen still being injured. Uh, Agree. Been everywhere. He he knows how to set up. He can score tries off the bat. It, it's great. Like they have a great depth system. Uh, Warriors, I thought would have won this game if all those injuries didn't happen. Yeah, uh, it was close. It was very close. They were they were a stretch array until that last try. I also thought that last try with Remus Smith touching the ball was fucking bullshit. There's no way you couldn't tell he didn't touch his hand. You could blatantly see it, and it goes forward. It goes towards the um, dead ball line. Yeah, it was it was one of those weird ones. I kind of. I have faith in the bunker because they have more angles than we do. Uh, I don't think it was as bad as like 2011 Kieran Foran, but it's it's definitely raises some questions. Yeah. That said, though, Remus Smith, I thought he had a great game. Uh, 16 missed tackles, uh, 16 tackles, none missed. Uh, he got targeted heaps in defense, so he didn't really run the ball much though. Um, something else I'm trying to think of about this. So, Adam Fanua Blake played 70 minutes. 70? 70. What the fuck? That's good for me. He's him. a big guy. He's a very 189 centimetres, 123 kilograms. He's an impact prop who generally doesn't play that much. Him to play 70 minutes and make 42 tackles is a massive effort. Uh, 53 tackles from Freddie Lussick as well, who I didn't particularly rate, but that's a fantastic effort. Uh, Abunti Afoa, 47 tackles, playing for 56 minutes. That's... He, he had to, the injuries for the Warriors. He had to, but the thing is, like, a lot of... Some players, you know, we just had that conversation about the Eels forward pack earlier and how a lot of their middles are kind of unwilling to make those levels of tackles. That's such a valuable thing for the Warriors to have with their middle forwards. Um, something else I want to add, uh, the tackle technique for the Warriors has improved heaps. Obviously, Webster has done so much for their attacking structures, which I won't discuss today, but I'll discuss it on another day where we kind of get to see it on offer more. Uh, but defensively he's clearly made this massive thing of them getting three men in the tackles every time Mm. and they're doing so well at it to get the opposition players on their backs and also have no markers on the floor and slow down the play the ball 
and they're winning the ruck and it's creating those attacking opportunities. Uh, I think Dylan Walker has been immense this year in the different roles he's been asked to play, especially that ball playing middle, but he hasn't looked too bad at 5'8". Uh, Sean Johnson, what can you say? He's been elite this year. I didn't think he was fantastic this game, but he was definitely decent. Um, Chance Nickel Klockstad going off with a head knock. I was very disappointed in the uh, Melbourne fans at the game booing him when he was down. Yeah, what um, the fuck? Because think about it. And, and for anyone who's saying they're booing because he's milking, why is a defensive player, why would a defender be milking? Hmm. Exactly right. The logic goes the logic goes straight out the window. And it was the exact same thing at um Broncos Raiders. I was there for this game where Jordan Rappenard was being carried off in a stretcher and the announcers asked, Okay, give him a round of applause and fans started booing. Um, I don't care what your thoughts on Jordan Rappen are. If you see a concussed guy going off in a stretcher and you decide to boo him, that is just a genuinely horrible thing to do and it's the same as when you see CNK writhing on the ground after he makes a tackle mind you he's not trying to draw a penalty he's defending you can't draw a penalty um, from that instance you can't yeah, get exactly. any game in so, fact his so team is losing from it yeah exactly so that's once again it's stupid if you're a fan listening to this that goes to games I'm just, I'm going to hope that you're not booing concussed guys, because I don't care what your thoughts on milking are, like, it's... You're the salt of the earth. Caelan Ponga. Yeah, like, it's... We see these with Ponga as well. There's been so many times where he gets down and everyone goes, oh, he's milking, he was barely even touched, but then you see on replay he cops, like, a stray knee or something. Mm. Footy, it's a tough game. Um, there's a lot of things that you don't see from the crowd. Uh, that you don't see from TV in terms of small contacts that happen with players. And as someone that works in footy, whenever I'm subbing guys on or whatever in an intense game, I say, you guys are incredibly tough, and I couldn't fathom doing this because it is such a high-impact, tough game. And I think that a lot of the fans that are booing, uh, they don't really, like... They they haven't played, obviously, but I don't even think they've been close to the sidelines. Uh, in terms of just seeing the actual tough impacts that players go through. So, yeah, once again, I know this is kind of like a discipline, but if, if you're out here booing concussed players, please just give yourself an uppercut and think about it because it's such, like, this is such a tough and dangerous sport to play and mm. your career can be over at any point. Um, I know it's not like a massive thing that gets spoken about in NRL, but there are so many careers that get ended from, like, specific tackles. We've seen lives ended from specific tackles before. We've seen livelihoods ended. Uh, we speak about Alex McKinnon. So this is an incredibly dangerous sport. So whenever you see a guy on the ground, your impact should not be... Your, your thought shouldn't be to start booing. It should be, shit, I hope this guy is okay. Uh, yeah, 100%. Like, the first thing... like. If you, you get knocked to the head, if you ever get knocked to the head, you'll be like, oh, fuck, that hurts. But the, you're in an entire body. You're getting momentum swung at your head. And yeah, it's I couldn't like... put it in... I couldn't say it better than what Jacob said earlier. It's... Footy's like, footy can be dangerous at times. It's a great game to watch, but careful of what your reaction is. 
don't be dumb. I, I would love, in that regard, I would love to see the guys booing get on that football field right there and then and see how they handle it. They'll probably get crunched first tackle. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's such a tough game. And it's why even when it comes to guys that, like, people that'll call people like Anthony Milford lazy or uh, Lachelle Mitchell or whatever, like, I get it. Compared to a regular NRL player, sure, whatever. Uh, people that'll make jokes about players' weights, whether it's, like, Shaq Mitchell or Blake Laurie or George hmm. Royce, whatever. But think of it like this. They're out here playing professional sports. That's a tough gig. Like, that is not an easy thing to do. Only 1% of footballers ever do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, The NRL, nonetheless. So, before you start joking about people's injuries or body types, whatever, let's just take a second to stop and just consider how tough this game is for the guys that play it. Hmm. 100%. Well, that's all all I've got to say for this round. Uh, Can't wait to footy. Small turnaround for a lot of teams. Jacob, got any closing thoughts, mate? Um, Not particularly. Uh, Just, yeah, just if you're a fan, try and pay some mind. Try and reconsider. Uh, and also, one thing I do want to add is, uh, in context of the Jack White and things, something Jamal Fogarty's just posted, but also White has posted. Not sure if you've seen it, but the uh, racist remarks in Jack White's DMs after he's announced earlier. he's leaving the, the South. That's disgraceful. Um, I hate ending on such a somber note, but I'm glad to see that a lot of players are sticking by each other. We see Jamal Fogarty, what he's put out there. Um, absolutely love what he's done and the waves of support he's getting which is fantastic um because as a rugby league community we do need to take a stand and make sure that people understand that these things are completely unacceptable to say and that they are held accountable and seeing all the dm uh comments from other football players greg bird uh fans it i have yeah. There need to be stronger consequences, as Jamal said. So, uh, if you're a fan, think about it. These are human beings too. They may be football players that have some tough bodies, but uh, they're just like us at the end of the day. The moment that final sign sounds, they're, they're like us. Um, with that, ladies and gentlemen, up the milk for the remainder of the season. <laughs> Uh, Jacob, what do we love? We love our footy. We love our footy. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>